2: That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. is going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the
1: center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes.
3: All right, everyone. Welcome to this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Maderno. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Larry Hughes. And today we're joined by special guest, Jake Pavorski of the TBT. Uh, Jake is the team personnel and, and PR director for TBT. So uh, we're excited to have him on and, and just talk a little basketball.
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us, man. Hey, so so all eyeballs and all ears on you at this point. So I know we have the, um, you know, the TBT starting up. Uh, kind of walk us through that process and and know how that's going to work and just the thought process that goes into uh giving us giving us basketball again
0: yeah appreciate you guys having us on our we plan for normal tbt 12 months around the year you know this is always constant in our minds um but in january our co-founder dan frill realized you know covid is on the horizon something that's affecting china and it's something that could potentially affect our tournament so really our planning um to be able to play tbt around this pandemic. Uh, began in late January. Uh, We've talked to people for several months, local health officials, federal health officials, epidemiologists, uh, other doctors. We have multiple consultants who have helped us uh, put together a plan um, that has allowed us to, we feel, play basketball safely uh, in a closed off environment um, in a way that will, um, there's no 100% guarantee in anything that the virus won't spread or anything in life. Um, but we feel we'll keep the virus um, from spreading at as, as low of uh, a possibility as humanly possible. And, and the plan that we came up with and announced the other day is that we'll be playing uh, with 24 teams in a single location in a fully quarantined event, totally closed off, um, where if a player is to leave the facility or leave our, our bubble, our inner island, as we call it, they will not be allowed back in. If anyone were to test positive for the virus on site and there will be multiple levels of COVID testing, the entire team will be eliminated. um, And we are are doing our best to keep teams uh, sort of siphoned off from one another throughout the event, other than when they're playing with each other, uh, in order to limit the interaction and potential spread of the virus. We think it's a a really strong plan, uh, one that people are are very excited about, uh, and and we feel it'll lead to really good basketball uh, this summer in July.
3: How do you decide on the 24 teams? Is it just who's still willing to to kind of take on that risk and, and just whittle down from there, or how does that work?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we've had over 115 teams apply. Uh, I think right now if I called up 115 teams, they would all say they want to play in this thing. So it's not as much of a, you know trying to get people to be interested. It's almost, it's, at this point, it's going to be turning a lot of really good teams away. Uh, the process would be kind of similar to what we've done in previous years. Uh, We'll look at teams that have played well in the past, high-quality teams, teams that have fan bases. Obviously, fans are unlikely to be able to come and attend our games, but on television, on national TV, we want to make sure that people are tuning in to watch. Naturally, those first teams are always alumni teams. You know, Ohio State last year was our our champion. Um, Marquette was our runner-up. You know, we look at those teams, um, high-quality programs, with quality teams that have played well in the past. Um, Those are teams we always consider. But this year as well, we um, you know we're always considering new teams, but we're looking really hard into the compliance standpoint and putting together a team that's not only of good quality players, guys that are playing at a high level, but also guys that understand the situation we're in, uh, understand how important the safety of this event is and, and the safety of our participants, and are not going to be willing to try and jeopardize that. Um, so we're really doing our best to gather intel and information about each team, what the guys are like, uh, and their, their willingness to be receptive to what we have planned.
1: So you guys are kind of weeding out the bad apples before before this thing kicks off. Smart, smart idea. So it's, I, I've obviously followed the, the, the TBT you know for a long time, uh, but not familiar. Is this a pay? You know, do they, do guys have to pay to participate um, with, within the tournament?
0: No. So TBT is free entry. Uh, typically in a normal year, we do offer buy-in slots for teams that want to secure their place, as opposed to trying to be an at-large team. Uh, but this year, because it's 24 teams, it'll be all invite only, um, but there are no costs of entry for teams. Um, it, it is free entry in the tournament.
3: Well, you have like an alternate team on standby in case somebody, you know, gets sick and a team's eliminated before they play, or, or how would something like that work?
0: Yeah, great question. Uh, we are talking through the the process of, of having a couple teams in quarantine um, to be able to jump in if a team were to be eliminated. So uh, when teams show up, they're going to be required to show up five days before their first game. Um, they'll go through the, the testing process. They'll be quarantined. If someone were to test positive um, during that period, we would be forced to eliminate the whole team because we feel at this point the virus is spread amongst the group. They're practicing together. They're training together. Uh, we can't take the risk of, unfortunately, you know trotting that team out against other competition. Um, at that point, we would consider having to enter another team we would bring this team in at the same time we would our normal 24 team field and try and keep them on standby Um, that is the scenario we're discussing right now at some point we're going to have to figure out how what is too late to essentially bring in a new team you know you can't bring in a new team in the quarterfinals or the the elite eight you know that's not something that makes sense at the same time you know with our plan in place the way it is we're assuming that by at that point Nobody is going to have, you know, the virus. Nobody else will have interacted with them that could have potentially had the virus. We're not bringing in any new people. Therefore, that wouldn't really be in place. So the only likely scenario is that in that first round, we might have to bring in a team. Um, so we're, we're definitely discussing bringing in one or two teams and having them quarantine uh, in, in case they needed to play.
1: Have you guys determined the, uh, the location uh, for the, for the tournament?
0: Not yet. We have a couple finalists uh, in multiple locations. We've had really strong offers uh, from a lot of places that are willing to host us um, with local health officials that are are cool with our plan, that are willing to assist us in whatever way they can. I I think I will say the best way for us to institute our inner island um, is some sort of campus like scenario where there's lodging, where there's dining accommodations, where there's practice gym, and obviously a playing arena all within a very short distance. That way, we're not asking for guys to travel far distances via car or bus or whatever it might be, not asking them to interact with people they don't need to interact with. Uh, we want to keep this as confined as, as humanly possible within reason. Um, so any sort of campus-like scenarios are the ones that we're really looking at the closest.
1: You know, that, that's a lot, man, as far as, you know, quarantining and making sure that, you know, the groups are separate and everyone has their separate, you know, quarters how's this thing operating i mean how's it how's this thing funded i mean you we can't have you know fans in the stands you know we have to watch on television how's this thing gonna gonna you know gonna fund itself
0: yeah it's always been funded in the same way um we have people you know private behind the scenes that have helped us put up the money over several years that have allowed this event um to continue as long as it's had we're going into our seventh year you know we show no signs of slowing down even in a pandemic uh we're fortunate to have multiple great partners in, in Puma and Zell uh, who sponsor the event, who have helped us in, in multiple ways over the years. Um, we're looking at potentially bringing on some other sponsors as well. Um, obviously with, with empty stands in a wide open arena, wherever we're playing, there are additional sponsorship opportunities as well as potential TV time. Um, so through all those measures, uh, we are still able to find a way uh, to be able to play uh, and, and not really feel uh, like we're, you know, it's a little bit tight around the neck.
3: I saw July. Is there like a a settled on date yet for for when you plan to kick this off or just that's still sort of in the works?
0: Yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. Uh, We're waiting to see what happens with some other sports, with some other leagues that are coming back uh, to try and figure out when our TV window makes the most sense. Um, But the way we've kind of formatted things is that it would be played out over the course of 10 days. uh, And it'll look like it'll definitely be in July. When in July, uh, it's still up in the air.
3: Um, is there any coordination going on with the NBA? Obviously, that's the closest near-term competition for for basketball and stuff like that. Is there any thought into maybe trying to avoid them in terms of window, or can you play games during the day so that it's not direct competition? Is that a, a factor at all? I guess.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a factor. I mean, at the NBA, the, at the end of the day, the NBA is still in their own decision-making process. Uh, you know, it, it's closing in very fast. At some point, we need to make a decision on on when we're going to play, on where we're going to play. Uh, at some point you can't wait for them to make a decision. Uh, So we're probably going to really try and be out in the forefront. We want to be the first basketball on TV. We want to be the first indoor contact sport um, to be able to return the competition. So we're we're planning like we're going to be playing before them. Uh, And and we think uh, for people who haven't seen TBT before, who are tuning in for the first time, we think this is a really unique opportunity for us to broadcast ourselves to them, uh, to widen our network and our platform and to show people, uh, how intense and high-level TBT basketball is?
3: For me personally, I, I'm a, a nerd with this thing. You know, I think I in the summer it's like now nah, pass up going to the beach or something because there's a good TBT matchup on tonight. So uh, you you got one definite viewer here. Um, I think one of the appeals though has been it is sort of a college-like uh, you know atmosphere environment at this game. So any thought into you know how you kind of simulate that that atmosphere during the games? Is it crowd noise? Is it music? I mean. How do you kind of account for, for that lack of other people in the building?
0: I think we're, we've talked through scenarios where we would do crowd noise. I saw the German Bundesliga has done that over the weekend and, and in, in their games in the past. I think it's turned out really well. Uh, I, I think there's a certain way to execute that without drowning out the great sounds that come with the game. One of the things that's worked so well with TBT in the past and has made us so interesting is the fact that we've mic'd up coaches, we've mic'd up referees. You hear the guys on the court. You hear the interaction. We don't really want to take away from that as well. I mean, even in the UFC, if you guys have watched any of their matches, hearing the punches, hearing the, the guys in the corners talking to each other, uh, almost the silence is, is almost made it a little bit more interesting. So I, I don't think we would want to take away from being able to hear what's going on on the floor, the interaction between the refs and the players, the interactions between the coaches and the players. I think we would want to try and keep that as much as possible within reason.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a new normal that I think we'll, we'll have to deal with and, and it'll be most – obviously the viewers will watch, but you know, has, have the players voiced any concerns as far as their performance um, with no fans in the stands versus performance with, with them in the stands?
0: Not really. That's not one of the, the issues we've had echoed. A lot of our guys play overseas. Uh, I think a lot of them are used to playing in less uh, filled gyms or even empty gyms at some times. As you know, the fans over there can kind of get crazy. Uh, you know, some leagues at times will, will sanction that they can't even allow fans to be in games. At the end of the day, when you're playing in this thing with, a, a, you know, a seven-figure prize on the line, uh, you're going to be focused in on, on what's happening in front of you, not what's happening around you. Uh, I don't know. If anything, it may make it easier for guys who had the, you know, the, the gyps at the line, um, you know, with the crowd noise kind of getting into their ears. Maybe a, an empty gym makes things a little bit easier for them. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that that's not going to be an issue, and, and these guys are going to be so locked into winning this prize. You know, Nothing else going on around them will really matter.
3: I think there was a lot of positive momentum for you guys coming into this year's tournament with the way the All-Star game played out for the NBA. Definitely put a couple extra eyes on you know the Elam ending specifically, but also TBT as a whole. I think one of the main things you guys have done that's been so cool is that you're willing to experiment or, or change things up, and it's not just here's traditional basketball. Any other twists or surprises we can expect this year?
0: Not at the moment, or at least nothing I'm willing to declare publicly. We're always talking through some different ideas. I think being able to play basketball in a pandemic is probably interesting and a twist in itself. Um, but we've always prided ourselves on on being innovative, on being original. Um, with the bracket, bracket celebration that has now been instituted by the NCAA, as you mentioned, the ELAM ending in the NBA, uh, we're always willing to, to take chances. Um, and that's our founder, John Mugar, who, who's willing to kind of, uh, to push the buttons a little bit, to try new things, to not be afraid. Uh, and, and that's what you need to be in the sports landscape in general. With, with TBT, you can't just be another basketball event, another basketball tournament. Uh, you, you have to put yourselves out there in a way that is that makes you appealing, that makes people want to tune in and, and see something that they haven't seen before. Uh, we always provide that, and I think we'll continue to provide that this year and, and in summers to come.
1: Yeah, Jake, and as, a former, you know, as a former league guy, I'm curious, did, did the NBA – uh, contact you guys um, or give you a heads up that they were going to use the Elam ending or, or how, did, how did that go?
0: There was coordination between our team and their, their the league office there. Um, they worked closely with Nick Elam, um, the creator of the Elam ending, uh, a, a Ball State professor um, on trying to make it work uh, in the NBA. Uh, there were plans to do it a little bit differently. Obviously with the passing of Kobe Bryant, the league wanted to do their best to use this to try and honor him. Uh, which was great. It turned out really well. So there was some pretty strong coordination between our team and their team as well.
3: Just kind of following along that with coordination with the NBA, but, you know, NBA guys can't participate, obviously. Are, are there other leagues, maybe internationally or, or or G League or things like that, where there, there are similar restrictions that, that guys have come along and said, hey, we don't really want, uh, you know, traditionally with an international team, a guy's not locked into like a multi-year long-term deal. So maybe it's not a factor, but just curious if you guys ever get feedback on that.
0: Yeah, there are teams, overseas teams, the high-level EuroLeague teams, um, that may be a little uncomfortable with their guys playing in the event. Um, you know, really, if LeBron James wanted to come and play TBT, we're not going to stop him from playing. You know, it's not a restriction on our end. It's a restriction on their end. Um, we're hoping to explore possibilities where TB, guys in the NBA would be able to play in TBT just like they would in the Drew League. Uh, we're hoping that in years to come, we may be able to open our doors to guys like that. Um Generally, it's not a huge issue. And I, we've also found that overseas teams and leagues uh, are interested in having those guys Scoutier, uh, people showcase themselves in, in our platform. The NBL in Australia, which is a really strong emerging league, uh, has been really uh, supportive of having their guys play in TBT. have been posting a lot about it. The highlights, you know, the names of guys on social media when the tournament comes around. A lot of leagues and teams are, are really open to, to the possibility and uh, the opportunity um, to be able to showcase their best talent in tbt as well
3: uh what's the reaction been like overall in in the last 24 hours i'm I'm assuming really positive but any any pushback or anything like that
0: no it's it's all been really positive it's funny i've been telling people we've been telling others you know gms players whoever wants to listen we're going to play tbt this summer i've I've been telling people that for months Uh, i guess it took an espn article for people to realize we're actually going to do it um but this has been the plan all along Uh, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. I think, obviously, coronavirus is very serious. Everyone needs to take the precautions necessary to protect themselves. Uh, But I also think momentum is shifting in the country as a whole for sports to return, for events to return, for some sort of return to normalcy. Uh, I I think we're able to to supply that in a very safe uh, environment where high-level basketball can be played with very little worry and care on the players' ends, where they can just focus on the competition as opposed to the the issues and the cleanliness and the environment around them. Uh, so I think we're, we're setting ourselves up for, for a fantastic event that our players are excited about, our fans are excited about, and that, you know, basketball fans, when they tune on their television this summer and they happen to come across TBT, uh, I think if this is their first opportunity to catch it, uh, we'll be locking them in as fans for, for many, many years.
1: I'm a fan, so I, I appreciate you guys you know doing what you can to, to bring the, the game uh, to the table and Sounds like, you know, everything is, is done with, with the thoughts, you know, with the with coronavirus in mind and, and being as safe and as, as, as healthy as, as possible. So, hey, I'm tuning in. I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys' support. It means a lot.
3: Yeah, same here. Uh, I think we're looking forward to it. Uh, Jake, any last things you want to pass on to, to the listeners here about TBT that they may not know? Or
0: Yeah, I think I've been, been singing his praises for, you know, for about 15 minutes now. But we the way we've come over these past seven years – you know, in 2014, we played our first game in Philly U with 17 fans in stands, one of them being our CEO. So really 16 people. Last year, we played our first game in Wichita in front of a sold out crowd of about 9000 people. Um, the event has really emerged. It's become a fantastic platform for college fans um, who love the players, who love their universities, that may not be able to follow those guys as much to see them again and relive some glory days. Um, the players get goosebumps for, you know, running out, being involved, repping their school's uniform. And really, this is the, the best of both worlds. For the college fan, for the NBA fan, you get the intensity of the college basketball, um, the March Madness style, the fandom, everything that comes with it, uh, while also the the high-level professionalism that you see of guys in the NBA. Last year, we had over 60 guys with NBA experience playing TBT. So you get high-level quality basketball with the competitiveness and the intensity that you would see in March Madness. Uh, I highly recommend that anyone out there listening uh, keep an eye on us, maybe DVR if you can't catch it live. But nevertheless, uh, Check out TBT this summer, uh, July on national TV.
3: It's been great to see the growth you guys have made, like you said, and and we're looking forward to, you know, uh, hopefully as minimal uh, disruptions as possible this year's tournament. And we wish you guys the best of luck. Jake, thanks for, you know, jumping on here with us today.
0: Appreciate it, guys. Thank you very
1: much. Yeah, good luck, guys.
3: While you're waiting this out at home, you can still have fun betting with our partner, betonline.ag. No NBA, NHL, or MLB for now. Hopefully they're all coming soon, but don't worry. BetOnline.ag has hundreds of games, events, and sports to still wager on. Obviously NASCAR's back. You have Madden and NBA 2K simulations, UFC, maybe something like the TBT, which we're discussing on on today's episode. Be sure to check out the final dance with roundtable interviews from ex-Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper as they discuss the Michael Jordan talk in full. So there's still fun to be had at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100, 100. 0 0 BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, everybody, that was our interview with Jake Paworski of the TBT, or I guess the the is redundant, of TBT. Um, so appreciate him joining us. Again, it'll be great to have some basketball and I think, you know, for the rest of this episode, we'll just kind of focus on on some Wizards-related stuff. Um, maybe we'll, we'll start on kind of a, a fun note here. Um, Brad Beal recently joined the All the Smoke podcast to talk to Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson and had some comments about, you know, a lot of interesting content. I encourage Wizards fans to, to check that out as well. Uh, one of the things he talked about, Larry, was, you know, if the season resumes and the Wizards don't have a shot at the playoffs, then, then he doesn't see himself... Playing. Is, is that the right call? Do you, do you think, I mean, how would you feel if you were kind of in his shoes, I guess?
1: I, I would agree with, you know, with those guys and with, with those feelings that I, I'm sure a lot of those guys, you know, have. Uh, who's going to come out and say it uh, to the public. But I think, you know, just being a professional basketball player and, and preparing and, and starting the season and going through the, the grid and the grind, you know, of the season. Then having it stop short because of things that you can't control, lot, obviously. But I think it's it's more important now the guys that they don't want to come back and play. it's it's the layoff. I mean that's it that's a, a long time to be, uh, to be off and your your body is is your muscles are settling down. It's a it's a tough situation, especially if you're not playing for the opportunity to win a championship. So you're just playing to finish out those games. Um, so I, I I would have to agree with those guys, man. Um, then you bring in you know just the health concerns of the more bodies, the more that the the risk and the concerns go up. So if you just eliminate that opportunity, a lot of these guys won't have to come out and, and, and almost be the villain to their—not necessarily the villain, but almost be the, the guy that speaks up to their, you know, their fan base.
3: I think John Wall echoed kind of similar comments. You know, he came out and said he's 110 percent healthy, which uh, is obviously good to hear as a Wizards fan. But that there was no scenario where he'd play this year. Uh, you know, even if they had a chance for you know a deep playoff run or to play themselves into the playoff season, that that he just wasn't gonna gonna risk it somebody who's dealt with some injuries and stuff in their career too. Is that the right move to just kind of not rush things if you don't have to?
1: That's smart. You know, That that's smart. Um, but these are things that I think guys are learning from the, the guys that come before them. They're obviously learning from, from medical staff and the history is showing up that you have to pr- protect yourself. You have to, um, you know, make sure that, that you are actually ready to go because the competitor in you will tell you to, hop out there on the court. I mean, if you're 60%, a lot of times the guys will hop out there on the court or even less than that. So I think it's a mindset now. um, And you want to make sure that you put the best product on the floor because that's what you're, you're, you're judged by. And, and yeah, I mean, making sure that you're completely healthy is, is it's going to be the, in your best interest uh, long-term.
3: Obviously playing, playing hurt in general is tough, but is it sort of easier to, play at like 70% continuously than it is to be hurt for a long time, take a layoff. And even if you're, you know, you feel a hundred percent physically to kind of jump back in cold.
1: Yeah. We manage the pain. I mean, we, we manage, you know, the injuries, the sprained ankles or things that, you know, uh, won't heal to after the season. I mean, we go through a bunch of injuries that you say, okay, well, I got this one. I, you know, just have to wait till the season's over to let everything calm down. So that's, I think that's a known, you know, that's a known fact. So anytime you can protect yourself, it's going to be in the best interest of the other player for sure.
3: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think, you know, kind of the immediate reaction from some fans locally was, oh, if Wall's that healthy, why wouldn't he play? But the chances of them kind of making everything coalescing, them making a deep playoff run this year anyway, is pretty low. And, you know, maybe maybe the organization is just sort of also, you know, happy with a lottery pick. And you just say, next year's our year. Let's come at this thing hole and and make a make our run then
1: yeah i think it depends on the, the type of injury as well uh, it, it definitely depends on the type of injury i mean you're talking about john who's you know things happen that could have you know yeah. it could have been it for him so to the ability to recover in a rehab and jump out there you know in a in a kind of an equal playing field and not being handicapped with uh the situation that he's dealt with and everyone in a different mode yeah it's it's that's tough
3: uh, the other kind of interesting comment, I thought, and this is sort of totally unrelated, but Brad told a, a funny story about his recruitment to Florida and how, you know, one of the other big schools he considered was was Kansas. And uh, that was where his mom really wanted him to go. And his mom is a former basketball player herself and is kind of his first coach. And she said that, uh, or he said that, she didn't talk to him for two months after he picked Florida because he was going so far away from home. And I'm just curious. I've never really asked you about this. Any funny recruiting stories or anything like this? I know you were McDonald's All-American. A lot of schools wanted you, but I wasn't sure what, you know, what the list was and what you had to whittle down from and all that kind of stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, I had a story that was actually involved in Kansas uh, when, when Roy Williams was there, mm-hmm. uh, actually the staff that's at North Carolina now. You know, they were recruiting me, and they knew the influence of St. Louis. So I mean they were, they were on me, me heavy. And I had a, they were coming to the house for a, a home visit, and I didn't really want to have the home visit. Just kind of that type of person. Sure. So they sat outside my house for about two hours, uh, and eventually <laughs> my mom kind of, you know, convinced me to come on. You know, come on home. I was actually just down the street, just kind of watching them sit there. Yeah. Uh, but she convinced me to, to come home and, and actually take the visit. I didn't go to Kansas, but I uh, actually had the conversation a little bit with Roy. He was recruiting a Caleb Love, who went to my high school. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about that a little bit and laughed. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, as a young kid, man, that, that's kind of overwhelming. It's got to be the awkward, coaches. too. It, it, it is, man. I mean, we you know, we didn't have the, the, the best house. So it's like, you know, you allow people to come into your home. and You know, you, you want a little bit them to come into a better space. So it's it's a little bit you know, overwhelming for, for kids, you know, going through that process as, as it was for me.
3: I don't want to speak for you, but when I was, you know, 17 years old, I wasn't hanging out with a bunch of middle-aged dudes anyway, so sitting around a room on the couch, you know, as, as these four dudes try to sell you on their school and, and, and you know, sweet talk you, yeah, I just can't imagine that being a comfortable situation for anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, but KU was, I mean, it was, was definitely on the list. I mean, they... <laughs> they've been a presence in, in the area for, for a long time. So that's a story that I didn't hear and I didn't know. So I'm, you know, social media is good for a lot of different things. It's, you know, bringing awareness, but that's definitely a story uh, I hadn't heard before. I was gone, um, you know, playing during that time. So I wasn't really aware of kind of that recruiting process, but that was definitely one of those, um, you know, today's ESPN stories that they would definitely run.
3: Uh, very cool. Um, kind of pivoting to some other, you know, uh, Wizards icons uh, in the news in the last couple days and and kind of social media bringing this to the forefront. Your old teammate, Gilbert Arenas, did a Reddit Ask Me Anything in AMA. And when he was asked uh, players he enjoyed playing with or against, he said, Larry Hughes, he was once my teammate in all-NBA defense, Playing against him was a joy because I always used to bust his ass. This is your chance, Larry. What What do you have to say to that on the record? Well,
1: he, he knew I. He knew I would read that. He knew that would get back. Get back to me. Uh, shout out to my guy, man. That's that's my brother, and we always speak about each other in a good light, man. That's all uh, in fun and games for me. I'm gonna give him a call uh, <laughs> later on in the day just just to give him some shit. But you know, we won most of those games. I don't know exactly what the average was, you but. Go. You know, we went to the second round of the playoffs. You know, we went to the finals. You know, so if I was standing alongside of them, they they might have went a little bit further. But I I, I win that battle because we won we won more games. We were able to, you know, move up the ladder. Those guys didn't didn't move up the ladder.
3: I, I definitely wish you had been in a different uniform for for those <laughs> matchups for sure. So what's that like going up against the guy that you've spent that much time around to? Is it, is that kind of awkward or is it, is it like a fun challenge? Cause you know how good he is. Like, how, how do you look at that?
1: I knew how good he was. He he knew who I was. I, you know, I, I knew who he was as a person. So, you know, we would elbow each other. Uh, we would push each other down and help each other up, you know, chuck one another going through the lane. And it's just like one of those battles. Like I, you know, growing up, I, I got six good friends that we all, you know, we, we hang around together. And then once you make it to the league, like everybody's a little different. They come from a, a lot of different places. So I connected with that guy. So, you know, and anytime you have a, a brother, a relative, you know, that you play in the backyard, in the driveway, you know what it is. Like, you're gonna, at the, you know, you're gonna stop right before you fight. And that yeah, was exactly. kind of and our Right at that point. Yeah, it, 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 that's our relationship. You know, we, you know, we would battle on the court and then some of those series, they were in Cleveland. He would come over to the house and we would just have conversations but we knew that there was a point where all right we could take this too far but we always battle we always you know scrap with each other um so I, I loved it I, you know I, I loved it and that's why we connect so much to, to today is because we knew each other were you know we knew each other was as a competitor
3: you know I think you know when you have that like sibling-like relationship sometimes you do kind of push it to the extreme and maybe there's a little like a little cooling off period after or something like that ever have situations where guys where you were pretty friendly with where, Hey, things got a little heated on the court and maybe you needed a little decompression time after the fact.
1: Um, or is it easy to draw I mean, that
3: line and just say, all right, not, the game's over. And-
1: not, not real. I mean, in, in a way, in a way, I think Ron Artest uh, was one of those guys for me because we grew up playing against each other and we like, we knew each other. Um, and Ron was always a little bit to the right, mm-hmm. you know, but he was he was always a good guy. And I, I met him, you know, in the younger days when he was kind of maneuvering through and, and finding out who he was. So but when we would, you know, battle on the court, I mean, our younger AAU days would kind of come into play when he played with Riverside. So those days would kind of pop up and it was always a battle. But, you know, after it was over, we would calm down, shake hands. and And that's what it was. But you know Ron's personality and everyone listening knows Ron's personality. So, you know, to have a guy that you can battle with and then it's over, you know, there's mutual respect. And that's, you know, that's that's how you calm down is is to is to have mutual respect. If there's not respect on both sides, then those battles get out of hand and they take it, you know, into the into the locker rooms. The Doug Christie's and the, or the Rick Fox, you know, yeah. that, that stuff makes it to the to the tunnel. So
3: and it's definitely different today you know i think in your day guys might have gotten at least to the point of throwing down now they trade barbs on twitter and stuff like that and it's a different way of handling it
1: yeah we're we're not doing that (laughs) you know it's, it's it's like you grew up in a space where you had to see someone to talk to someone so in any sort of conflict that's how you handle that conflict and then as you start to evolve into the you know into the new years of the nba you you handle your conflicts different but i was more of if there was an issue on the court, let's have an issue outside the lines just to make sure that we are okay, and then there's the mutual respect, and then we're all good.
3: I always hear, um, going back to Gilbert for a second, you hear a lot of guys, especially you guys that played with him, like speak very highly of him. He, he's kind of misunderstood sometimes by the public at large, like a really good dude, really good teammate. When you went to that Cleveland team, what's the kind of perception from, from guys that haven't played with him that, that don't know him as well? Is it like, all right, we got to shut that guy up? Or, or how is he kind of viewed by competition, I guess?
1: As a wild boy. Like <laughs> as, a, as a wild boy. I mean, that's, if you go to any team during that time, it's just a wild boy because somebody would have a, a friend on another team and would tell the story, and that's really – it wasn't a guy that was malicious. It wasn't a guy that was evil. Um, in a sense, I still I do call him the mad scientist because I mean, his brain works in crazy ways. But it's always there's always a mean There's always something at the end of that that makes a lot of sense. But he's he's definitely a, a mad scientist. But those guys were, you know, they knew that he would take any shot. They knew that he would take every shot if if he if he could if he wanted to. But at the same time, they knew that he would play hard. He would play defense. Got all the respect. I mean, he was just one of those guys where, you know, when you go into the other locker room, they knew G.A. Was, was was definitely wild, but uh, he could get it done on the court.
3: I think uh, one of the questions that kept popping up in there was, what player today, um, you know, sort of most reminds him of him? And and I'm always kind of like the Lillard comparison, but uh, he went with Harden, which I, I can see that too. I mean, obviously guys that, that can just put the ball in the hole. Do you ever get asked that question by people, Larry? Like, you know, who today do you see some of yourself in?
1: Um, not, or do you have a default really. answer? Yeah, no, 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 I don't. You know, I, I don't, I think, because I'm a, I'm a, um. You actually mix play of, defense? Um, yeah, well, I'm a mix of different guys, you know, that, that, that I watch. So, you know, any guys that start to look at themselves like, uh, you know, like a Scotty Pippen, a Penny Hardaway, you know, Eddie Jones, you know, those guys were kind of the length, you know, kind of lanky guys, flexible guys. Uh, that's kind of, those are the guys that I watched and said, okay, I'm, I'm kind of like him. So anyone now that compares themselves to those guys you know there's a there's some comparison there
3: I was trying to think of like any obvious answers off the top of my head for, for that too before I asked you that question and, and nobody really came to mind because there's not a ton of you know six four six five guys that are long can be one two play defense one through three um, like to actually guard people today kind of a, a lost art form I think
1: yeah it's, it's different I mean it, it's different I A lot of people talk about, you know, shooting the ball and scoring the ball, but I was really focused. Like, I wanted to play defense. Like, I I grew up thinking that if your offense fails, if you can't make a shot, you better be able to play some defense. And that's, you know, that's how I carried it. Um, But a lot of people want to talk about scoring the ball, shooting the ball, and doing this and doing that. And it's like, yeah, I was doing that, but I didn't – I was more focused on stopping that other person and taking – that energy from them, and that's how you win the game.
3: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's there's not a ton of guys that can do both at a high level too, and 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 that's definitely something you don't see as much of. Transitioning back to back to Brad for a second, uh, you know, one of the other reasons his name's been in the the news a lot recently. Uh, this report came out that the New Jersey Nets are extremely interested in trading for Bradley Beal. Well, I, you know, as a Wizards fan, I'm I'm strongly interested in us trading for Giannis, but. It doesn't mean that's realistic. Uh, I'm, if you're a player, how much stock do you put in those things, or you just kind of ignore them as noise?
1: Uh, the, it, it's noise. Uh, it's noise. Um, today, players have a lot of control. Players have a lot of control. So, if the information is not coming from the player, if the player is not, uh, you know, generating the thought process, you're going to have reports, and you're going to have. Conversations coming from everywhere, especially the, the the number of years that these guys can sign, whether they do one year for big money or two years for big money with an option. So you'll always have that noise, but i you know it, it it really depends on what the player is, you know who that player is and what sort of I said I guess what what kind of character that that player has. You know if they want the limelight, if they want all the attention, they want people talking about them around the clock, uh that'll happen. But if they don't, then they'll shut it down and they'll sign with their team or they won't.
3: One of the other things he mentioned was this potential deal on the night he was drafted, where they talked about sending him to Oklahoma City potentially for James Harden. And, you know, he kind of said, ah, that might be cool. But he didn't really dwell on that as like something, you know, where he would have really looked forward to being the third guy on a team potentially. So I can't imagine at this point in his career he would want to go to Brooklyn and do that with those guys anyway. So, like you said, if you've got control over that, Brad seemed to welcome the challenge of being, you know, if not you know, number one, but at least one A and one B with Wall. So I can't see that wanting, to, you know, him wanting to do that. It just doesn't make sense.
1: I, I think it just, it, it really depends. I mean, you you have to, you know, understand, you know, think about the fact that he didn't make the All-Star team this year. I mean, that was based on his team. I mean, I would, you know, mm-hmm. that would have to be based on his team and the amount of wins that his team had or just the, you know, the eyeballs that was on that team. That should happen to a guy like that. So in order to make sure that it doesn't happen, obviously the team has to get better or there's other situations yeah. that, that are there. So I think it's a, it's a thing in totality where you have to look at what the player is trying to accomplish. I think, you know, I think Brad ha- had his mind set in the right space of, you know, I was drafted here. Uh, there's a new regime here. Um, I like the guys here. I've seen some success here. So let's you know, try to make this thing work and try to be successful. So I think he has his head on right, and now it's up to every everything around him, you know, to start to, you know, to elevate and make sure that he is, you know, given all of his roses right now, as opposed to, you know, being one of the, you know, the worst snubs in, in in all-star voting.
3: You know, as much control as players, I mean, in your day, but obviously even more so now, have over where they end up. I think a lot of times as fans, you you sort of take that personally with the player, whereas you don't do that with the team. And you have to understand that it's, it's a two-way street. Like you, you have goals, you you pass on your expectations to them. And if they don't meet them, then, you know, they haven't done their part and that gets lost a lot, I think.
1: Yeah, because they'll, they'll do it to you, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, I, I mean the, 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 fan, the, the owners have the, the fan base behind them and the player, you know, they have their small group. They have a couple of players that are within that team and they have themselves. For the decisions that they make, and who's going to support those decisions. So, uh, when they make a decision, it's 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 less of a crowd roar um, than if the other side, you know, makes a decision that's best for them.
3: You know, we've talked about this a little bit in, in other episodes. When when you and I believe in Washington for Cleveland, um, you know, we, we've kind of gone gone into a little bit of the things that drove those and how the organization definitely plays played a role in, in you making that choice as well here. Um, but what was the immediate fan reaction like? Like the first time you played in Washington the next year, did you get any boos or anything like that? I don't, I don't remember.
1: But I, I don't think so, man. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think so. I've, um, I didn't, I didn't get booed in in uh, Golden State. Uh, I didn't get booed in Philadelphia. I mean, I had, a I had about two or three. Now you sure. can't get. There's in always the a couple crazies. Yeah, you can't go to Philadelphia and, and be a former sure. player and not get a couple boos, yeah. but. You know, for the most part, that that hasn't been a situation for me. Um, I give you what I got on the court, and you know, I'm I'm up always up front. So I think that the fan base knew um, because a lot of the players, you know, kind of spoke about it as yeah. well. Uh, so they knew, you know, kind of what my angle was. And yeah, I mean, I the staff, you know, the the arena people, great man, great. I I, I love I love to say that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm doing yeah. this podcast, man. Yeah. How much I, I love that that community. I love that environment. Uh, as a whole uh, not just the organization um, and how it stands but everyone that was associated with uh, you know that community
3: you played a large role in, in getting this team sort of back on its feet to to bring in that era and, and for people my age that that's what you think of when you think of Wizards basketball so I, I was just curious so in the moment I think sometimes it's you know maybe the first time back or something like that people people don't always have the perspective but but that's really good to hear. All right, last last thing, and then we'll we'll call today here. Uh, it sounds like the NBA is is pretty close to at least a plan for for how to come back. Uh, there's all kinds of different options for format, whether it's every team, whether it's twenty teams, whether it's you know just the one through ten seeds in both conferences, or the sixteen teams, or the twenty teams with the best record. Like it seems like a lot of stuff is is still on the table. Is there, is there one format you've heard so far that sort of sits well with you?
1: No, but what I think. Would make the most sense to me is is if we're going to do this, let's be efficient with it. Um, let's not put a price tag on it as far as to just getting X amount of games to cover whatever that responsibility was. I think mm-hmm. that the guys that are have, have prepared and put themselves in a good position throughout you know the NBA season and, and, until it stopped. Those are the guys that are in championship contention. Those are the guys that are in playoff position. I think we start with the top teams and then yes you may have a play in game where we're talking about the, the, that playoff uh, format I think that that uh, with one or two teams you know involved in, in, in that mix and then having your uh, you know your top teams that are already slated you know just locked into to what their position is the playoff teams are the teams that are in this this bubble the playoff teams are the ones that are competing for the championship we're being efficient we get those games done we get everybody back to their families. So we can move to the next phase of, of of how you know the NBA will will run. You know that that's 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 best case scenario for me is to have those top teams go ahead and participate, have those fringe teams you know play that little playoff series and be efficient.
3: I'm totally with you. I think part of that too is you know that you've heard the NBA talk about maybe even wanting to do this prior to the pandemic of seven plays, 10, eight plays nine. And that's how you sort out the last couple of spots. So if they ever want to do that, maybe this is your opportunity to try that out, but I'm with you. Anything beyond that. it just, I don't really see the point. Um, you know, like Atlanta wasn't going to somehow make up a lot of ground or even honestly, Washington would have a tough time doing it being like five games back. Uh, the other thing I think Larry is the playoff seating one through 16, kind of regardless of conference and, kind of mixing up the matchups for this year is that something you'd be in favor of
1: I would definitely be in favor this year uh, because we're talking about these certain these bubbles that we're using um, so we're talking about limited travel um, just depending on how the seeds with the you know the east versus west but I, I would be interested in and I think that we have to lay the things out that we've been talking about over a number of years that that you know didn't necessarily have something pushing you to to try it. Um, the idea is not enough to push you to try it. This circumstance, this situation, you know, allows you to to, to try some things. So I, I like what the NBA is doing. I like that they are now introducing things that they have talked about. You know, versus you know, talking about starting in December versus starting in October. I think that there's some some weight there. So I, I like to see us try those things. Uh, the things that we're trying still be efficient with the, the teams that need to be there.
3: Yeah, as long as you put the priority on safety and and all that, yeah. and, and and you know, if you want to get a, a little weird with it this year, you know, might as well might as well. Everything else is weird. So, uh, all right, Larry, I think that was all I had for you this week. Any any other thoughts?
1: Running into you know just a, a, a new fresh month, man. Just uh, try to line up some some guys, maybe two guys this month, two or three guys this month, and just you know just trying to understand what they're doing. You know, with the games, that'll tell us you know kind of who's. Because I was reaching out to. Uh, to a couple of the Cleveland guys to see what, you know, what the schedule was. And it's still, it's still um, involuntary or, or not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's not set. So they don't know. They're, they're still in Atlanta. So they're, they're not even in Cleveland yet. Um, but I would like to have some, some guys either if they're transitioning back in or if they're going into the playoffs, try to get one of those guys on as a current as kind of a current voice in the basketball space. I think that that should be our next guy.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, yeah. especially you know, like you said, once once we're maybe a another week, even I think might make a big difference in terms of these guys having sort of plans. And I, I want to say I saw something from the NBA that said uh, you know even tomorrow they might have like another round of updates, or th- I think there was like a board meeting. So yeah,
1: yeah, I, I saw there's a NBPA call um, tomorrow. So fingers yeah, crossed for next we week. Get some, yeah, get some information out.
3: Uh, sounds good. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap it up for everybody. Uh, again, this is Believe in Wizards. B L E A V. Check us out on social media. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll talk to you. Talk to you all next week. Thanks, Larry.
1: All right. See you later.